Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, the Christmas episode. What's the name for it? The Chronicles of Christmas. Chronicles of Christmas. Episode two, because it's the second time we've done it. So here's what we're going to do in this episode. We are going to go around the table and we're going to just give you a list of books that if you've got free time over Christmas, which the students listening to this, you probably do have some free time over Christmas, or maybe the rest of you, you have time off from work and you have all that stuff. Uh, maybe time in a car, you could get an audiobook of something. We're just going to give you broadly Christmas book recommendations. And um, yeah. And we're just going to do that the whole time. And then when we're done, we're done. And we, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yes. Santa is coming. We don't, we're not going to tell you who Santa is, but he's going to pop in. He's going to come yes. down the chimney at some point. We need a chimney. Santa. In our recording. Oh, yeah. Okay, Santa. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I got you. <laughs> so with that in mind, and Santa's going to give us a book recommendation. He's not too. Santa. He's not that big. He's not, but he's jolly. <laughs> he's jolly. He he has a Santa-like demeanor. Isn't Santa teaching like a class right now? Santa is upstairs teaching a class right That's now. Right. Okay. Ooh. Yes. That's a good hint. Actually, it's a pretty broad hint. So. Yes. He's not that broad though. <laughs> two, two, two points. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead. Can I? Does it matter? It we does know. not. As long as we go clockwise, I'm we can okay literally do anything we, we want. Listener, I don't think Tim could ever handle us going counterclockwise. Oh, I've done it. It's really hard, though. <laughs> okay, like, go for it. Christmas okay, so read number one. Christmas read number one. I think this may be a book we've featured on the podcast before. It's called Hearers and Doers by Kevin Van Hooser, a pastor's guide to making disciples through scripture and doctrine. And, listener, we're coming into a new semester. Maybe you'd even be interested in uh, taking a class. I would encourage you to consider that. I'm teaching discipleship in the local church this next semester. This is one of my textbooks, Hearers and Doers by Kevin Van Hooser. Uh, I also have a refresher Hebrew class. So if you learned Hebrew and have forgotten it, this class was made for you. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. Um, and you can take a look at some of the other course offerings at uh, uh, faith.edu. So what about this book, Hearers and Doers? Well, uh, we talk a lot about the imagination on the podcast. We talk about fiction books. I used to not be a fiction fan at all. I thought it was a waste of time. I didn't like fiction. I figured if I'm going to read something, I'm going to read something that's uh, true, nonfiction. And I've kind of done an about face on that whole idea. Van Hooser has strengthened that view. Uh, basically, the Christian life is about imagining and understanding how the scriptures interact with my life. So he talks a lot about imagination. On page 56, he writes, the imagination is a cognitive faculty, a kind of thinking, which is precisely why Jesus taught by telling stories. Okay, it's a fascinating thing to think of when we consider writing fiction and um, the role of the imagination and thinking in discipleship. The story resonates with us. It is literally Ecclesiastes 12, it is the the it is the um, the wise man taking uh, the truth of God's word and putting it and crafting it in a way that resonates with the audience. 
Um, and so uh, I'm going to continue reading here on page 56. Learning scripture and theology similarly require imagination. And the purpose of an illustration, the purpose of a story, is to help your reader connect a biblical principle, uh, a truth from God's word, to their lives. And what does that require? Imagining. Uh, so the whole idea of the imagination as being an important component in um, Christian discipleship, uh, Ben Hooser kind of makes a, a strong case for it. Now, as you're going on your Christmas break, uh, their temptation, particularly students, well, for all of us, when we have a little extra time, is to turn on the television or YouTube. The TV's getting a little obsolete, but... The screen. The screen. The screen. Let's say the screen. Okay, and I would encourage you to not, uh, or at least to severely limit it. I've known some students who've watched entire seasons, like seasons plural, of these TV series, and I was trying to add up the, the number of hours they must have spent watching that TV series. Okay, when you're watching those TV series, what are you doing? Well, they call it amusement. Amusement. You're not musing, that's for sure. And you are shaping your imagination, and and, and, and you're shaping it in a wrong way. Uh, so um, I want to just read a little snippet out of uh, Hearers and Doers here, page 209. The sobering truth is that much of what is going through our heads is not the story of Jesus, but some other story. I fear, for example, that many people spend more time viewing videos than reading scripture. In February 2017, YouTube announced that people around the world watch a billion hours of content on the site every day. Okay, I would encourage you this Christmas season to unsubscribe from YouTube, unsubscribe from Netflix, Disney+, Hulu. I mean, what other ones are there? They've got like a gazillion Apple TV or whatever they are. Okay, Amazon, uh, you know, it would be great to cancel your Amazon Prime membership and do your book buying through uh, Faith Bookstore or some other smaller retail um, Don't Feed the Machine. All right, so uh, consider that and, and turn off the screen. Get into your Bible. Have you ever thought of having a family Bible study? There's one thing that um, I'm hoping to do over our Christmas break is to get op open up God's Word with my children and uh, to study through the birth narratives. It's great to have an Advent book. I would encourage you even more to just go to the Bible and walk through the Magnificat of Mary. Uh, as Protestants, we've really lost a the theology of Mary. And I think Christmas is a great time to think through who Mary is biblically and to understand that she is like the most, um, uh, what's the word in, in Luke that it, that talks about her? She is the most um, significant of women. It's not that word, but... Is it favored? Favored. Favored of women. It's not fascinating <laughs> that she was the uh, woman that um, gave birth to God. All right, there. Here's endures. And you're like, what's that word that's used to describe Mary? I was like, virgin? Yeah, there's that one too. <laughs> not in the archetypal sense. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, not in that sense. <laughs> uh, okay, so mine has Christmas in the title. Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol by Charles oh, Dickens. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I have always known of the story... I can remember as a kid watching the movie. Uh, I can watch, remember like my buddies in high school or what uh, got me into the Muppet Christmas Carol. I remember watching that with them. And, uh, and then I was in A Christmas Carol uh, as a drama this past fall. And uh, again, you can, you can fall into the trap of, oh, let's watch the movie. But it's a book. 
And even I was watching a Christmas movie last night and I was like, this is based on a book. It was The Grinch. But how even a kid reading a Dr. Seuss book is probably at least equal in profit than to them watching the movie. And um, even even something as silly as Dr. Seuss and, and it's Grinch, you know. Uh, but so A Christmas Carol, it, I think we, we've in previous episodes discussed its theological message and tried to, you know, smooth out the rough edges of its social messages to maybe just say, you know, Christmas is meant to be thankful and with family and you should be thankful for what you have and Scrooge uh, is not. He's a greedy miser and never wants to give and uh, there's people who are much less fortunate than he and they're very content in their lives and he learns from their example. And uh, so there, there are some good things there. And if you've never read it, uh, I have on good authority that you can buy it at the Faith Bookstore because <laughs> I have purchased it at the Faith Bookstore. There are multiple copies and there's actually, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll come back on my next book to this book because it goes together. But so my first one is buy A Christmas Carol and read it. You, you, you will enjoy reading the classic from Charles Dickens. See, I should put that on my list because I have not read it and I'm very intrigued by it. After seeing yours and then I still haven't seen them up at Christmas Carol. Mm. Dr. Newman is quite disappointed in me, by the way. That's have, one of his favorites. You have seen the Charlie Sawyer Christmas Carol. Oh boy. Yes, I have. That's exactly. <laughs> it's slightly, it's, it's very Muppety. In it was great. It was great. It was so good. So to my left is Santa's chair. And shall we say the cookies and milk are still here because he's not. So mm. we'll just pass on from Santa and go to Andy. All right. So I keep forgetting. Well, I don't know if we said this, but I keep forgetting that this is supposed to be a Christmas. It's supposed to be Christmas titles. I thought it was just like Christmas books to read over Christmas. Broadly Christmas. But I mean, during the Christmas season, okay. it oh. serves a reason that okay. someone would want to read Christmassy things in the Christmassy season. So here we, okay. So, so I'm going to recommend a book. This but, is when we twist all of our books exactly. and make them Christmassy. Remember so, last year? Oh, it was so yeah. good. Your, yours especially was was intriguing. So this one is a book by John Frame called Christianity Considered a Guide for Skeptics and Seekers. You might say, well, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, Christianity. That's right, Christianity. And Jesus oh, boy. was born. So Frame is a presuppositional apologist. And so sometimes presuppositionalists get the rap that they don't use evidences or arguments and he's, he said it's really a shame because there's nothing wrong with that. Presuppositionalism is, is not just not using those things. It isn't actually not using those things. So he says, I want to give an attempt at making a book with a bunch of arguments for Christianity. So I will say that this book is full of presents for the Christian or the seeker. Oh, so boy. He's got, that's, that's as close as I can get. Um, he's going to walk through. That was not bad. It was, I thought it was pretty good. You know, he's, I don't know if it's two dozen here arguments. Um, I am regularly impressed with both of you and your ability to fly off the cuff and make junk up like that. It's just like blows me away because I'm so boring. Well, it's just when I'm on the cuff that it gets really scary. So, so this book, he's going to walk through different uh, elements or I don't know, like, okay, here's some of the chapter titles. Why believe in God? 
right, wrong, and God, right, wrong, and believing, everything is evidence for God. Does God speak to us? A holy book. He's going to walk through various facets of life, and he's going to ask, how does that fit with a different worldview? And some of these are going to be strong arguments for Christianity, all of them actually, but some are going to uh, be straight-up arguments. Some are going to be like, hey, you can't believe in this without assuming Christianity. So I think it's an interesting book, um, and I would recommend it if you're if that's something you're interested in. So I would say this is niche. If you like apologetics, or you want to go into the philosophy route, or you're looking for something to make you think. But also, I mean, you guys are looking at this. This is not a long, look at that. That's not a big book. For apologetics, 140 pages, it's tiny. Tim, how would you, how would you describe this book to the reader? Small. Small, there we go. So I would say Christianity Considered. I also See, would say it's published by Lexham Press. No, so. he missed it. Right there, he, he set you up. I, I teed you up, For Tim. the pun, how would you describe this? Little. Small. <laughs> he still says small. Come on. We're working on it. We're working, We're working. on it. Oh, sorry. I hit the table. Sorry, listener. I just threw my book on the table. You probably heard that. My turn? Yes. All right, so I'm going... You're the one that requested clockwise. I did. And All right. also, Charlie put both his hands in the air toward you, which I think is universal for your <laughs> My next. turn. All right, so I am... I. This is a book I'm hoping to read this summer, or this summer, this Christmas. Woo. This um, is not the Summer Reads episode, Tim. Whew. I have Letters from Father Christmas by J.R.R. Tolkien. Have you guys read this? I I have. Well, okay, I haven't read it. Is it is it the thing you actually read? Like, it's his letters to his kids. Yeah. So like the one that I have is more so like you're just looking at the images of the things. Yeah. It's they, not like a. Go ahead, you first. Don't no, go ahead. No, that's what I was like. I flipped through it and I was like, oh, that's cool. And they're like telling about the thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not like an actual, it is in a sense, it's like a story that he was doing with his kids, like a, like a progressive thing. But as you read through the book, it's not like you're reading a story. You're like reading about Tolkien doing this thing. So right. I, I kind of like flipped through, looked at the pictures, read a couple captions. It looks interesting. Yeah. A sad story. So at our, Chris, at our, our Wednesday night ministry, uh, our kids' ministry, it was like a dress-up night, so my daughter dressed like the star. It was like um, Christ- Christmas theme. So Evan went as a shepherd, Abby went as a star, and made this really cool star face thing for her. Yeah. And she won in her age group for costumes. And so she got to get a prize. And the director of our kids' ministry bought a box with prizes. And then when he opened the box, it was full of books. And she picked Father Letters. Christmas. Letters from Father and Christmas. And I was so excited. And then she looked at it, and we're like, oh, yeah, you probably... So she... Tim's like, you can exchange that for something different in my mind. I'm like, oh, dad could have got a prize. <laughs> so she got something else. Oh, she got one of the CCEF children's books. It was actually really good. Good. So Letters from Father Christmas. It might be a good read for you to go through uh, with your kids. I have not read it. I want to read it. I want to get a little more familiar with it. It is like simile copies of the actual letters, including like the envelopes, how he would be like from the North Pole, you know, and yeah. And uh, my dear John, you know, and he um, writes about whatever Christmas is like um, and talks about just random details. I thought it was an extremely imaginative and creative way to love your children. Um, And of course, this is before Santa Claus was the American Santa Claus. This would have been J.R.R. Tolkien, so think 30s, 40s. And I think he stopped writing them in the 50s, uh, something like that. So, uh, Letters from Father Christmas, that's the my second pick. 
a less a, a much less consumer driven Santa is what you're saying. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank yeah. you. It was is a different different virtues being exalted, especially outside of America. Right, and he was called Father Christmas. Yeah, there's a little bit different of a emphasis there. Okay, book number two, which I said will harken back to the first book. So the first book was a Christmas Carol, and there's actually an edition of Christmas Carol that Tim has in the bookstore. I bought one because I thought this was really neat. It actually has a supplementary, that's not the word I'm looking for. It supplements a Christmas Carol with other Christmas stories. And what piqued me right away was I was like, oh, look at that, because the one of the stories in there was The Gift of the Magi, which was in short stories by O. Henry, which I recommended last year on Christmas Reads. And so that kind of got me down the rabbit trail of, I mean, okay, man, these short stories are actually pretty good. And I, I got the book off my shelf last week. And just what I love about the, these short stories is they are written really well. Uh, Henry's a great author. They all have a nice little fun twist to them. You, you'll find yourself like kind of knee slap humor sometimes like, oh, wow, okay, yep. And, uh, oh, that's, a, you know, like the endings will always kind of surprise you. And that's what he's known for. And so I'm recommending it again. I'm recommending the short stories of O. Henry. And specifically, I read one last week about a, a rich dad and his poor son and his son has fallen in love and his dad's like, well, can't you buy love, son? I'm going to spoil the story. Is that okay? They've been out for a while. I'm just going to spoil it I mean, I as a means to like entice them to the other ones. You, you You'll have, still enjoy the story. You have full creative control here. You yeah. can. You can. So the dad's like, well, I've got all the money we need. Let's buy the love. And he's like, you can't buy the love. You can't buy the love of this girl. You can't. I need time to to tell her my intentions and win her heart, like that type of a discussion. And the dad's like, okay, well, good luck, you know. And the the son has like one short story. He's got one short time with the girl. But what happens is they're going to ride to watch, I think it's a play or a movie in New York. And this big like traffic ordeal happens. And they actually don't get to the play on time. I, and we hear Santa Claus is coming to town. He's walking in right now. I'm looking at him. So anyway, so what happens is the son who says he can't buy the love of the girl, he's like, I just need enough time with her to like win her heart. And then they get in the car and there's this huge traffic jam. And then the guy wins her heart and they get engaged and then she moves off before, you know, and like the next day, the dad is like talking to, I can't remember the son or the mom. He's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Great job. And then later, one of the dad's like employees comes in and it's like, he's like, what's the bill? And he's like, oh, it's gonna be like 1800 because like all of these trucks that you hired were like 50 a piece and all of these taxis that you hired were like 10 a piece. It's like the dad with his money orchestrated the traffic to get really bad so that the son would get all that time with the girl. Horrendous. And so it's like a really neat little spin, oh, but it cool. makes you think like, well, can, can money buy love? Oh, Song of Songs has something to say about did, that. didn't it? <laughs> Horrendous. Anyway, so that's a short story of O. Henry there. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it had a nice pithy title too. But yeah, I'll recommend that to read over Christmas break. So, Love will, uh, Money will buy you the wrong girl. Maybe, yes. <laughs> that's the message of Song of Songs. Oh my goodness. So first things first, uh, Santa, you want to push that red button on your mic? There, now you're not muted. And uh, yeah, that should be, so why don't you just, let me, I haven't tested your audio yet, so why don't you just start talking? 
Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry oh, yeah, Christmas. That was, that was really loud. Let me turn you down a little bit. I can bit. speak softer. We're we're progressing on yeah. Keep keep talking. Keep talking. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys again. Yeah. It's good to see you again. I, I love what you've done with the place. <clears throat> it's yeah. a little brighter than the last time. Maybe. I have a funny story. You want me to tell it? Yes, please. So you guys have all these book pictures of books up here, and it reminds me of a tie I got one time that had books on it. And so this was a really cool tie, and actually a friend of mine bought it for me as a present, and I wore it when Dr. Myron visited my church one time, and he fell in love with this tie. It was very bright, though. And so I said, I I was thinking about it that night, and and he was there the next day, and I said, Dr. Myron, would you like this tie? And I just gave him my tie. I took it off my neck, and I gave it to him, and he was just so thankful. So the next time I saw him, I was like, hey, how's that tie going? And he kind of sheepishly looked at me and he said, I destroyed it. Oh. And what happened is he, he took it and put it in tea. I heard this. He put it in tea and it, it disintegrated. Wow. Because he was oh, trying wow. to change the color of it from like a brighter color to more of a faded color. And that's what your, uh, your little uh, environment here the reminds tapestries. me of. I think he told that class when I was taking a seminary systematic from him. Because he had like a different tie, like books of the Bible maybe. And then we said something about it. And he's like, well, I got this one. But he didn't say that. Yeah. He just said he put it in tea and it destroyed the tie. Yeah. Yeah. That was my tea. Or my, my, it was my tie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dr. Myron. That guy. But anyway, so if you don't recognize the voice, we have the Lord of the Seminary. <laughs> Whoa. Like Lord of the Rings, not Lord yeah, of the Earth. Like You're not one the of the nine. Yeah. Um, so... Wow, horrendous. He, he's holding up his hand with the ring on it. He, he the ring it. of power to the seminary. Uh, Dr. Doug Brown is with us. Uh, it's good to be here. Yeah. So do you have a book for us for the Christmas reads? Um, yeah. I actually brought a book down for my office. Yeah. I've enjoyed reading this book. It's by Bruce Ware. It is the theological theological reflections of um the man on the Christ humanity, or I'm trying to, okay, the title of the book, it's it's kind of, it's kind of uh, hard to read, but it says the man, Christ Jesus, and then it's theological reflections on the humanity of Christ. So, so many books emphasize the deity of Christ, which they rightly should, but this really talks about Christ and his humanity in a different way, a fresh way, and really (laughs) kind of talks about how he faced trials and temptations. Um, in his full humanity, and it really kind of helps you to understand some of those key verses in, in like Hebrews and like the temptations of Christ and things like that. To me, this is yeah. kind of like solves a lot of those issues. Because um, that, that's the, the a fun thing this year, which we've already talked about, is hmm. I got to ask questions at some uh, senior sem orals. They defend th- their theology. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that did come up when we get into either Christology, it should be in Christology, but I think it did come up in Hamartiology. It was like, were the temptations of Christ real? And that gets into like, do you think he can sin? And the, then the question, well, if he can't sin, how are the temptations real? And the key is that he's tempted like we in a human mm-hmm. sense. Uh, it would, he, why is it really hard for him to obey even though he's impeccable? after 40 days without eating. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I go like six hours and <laughs> I'm a grumpy goat. So, you know, anyway. Yeah. 
So it's 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 a good. I mean, he's written a lot on the Trinity, um, but he has a couple books on Christ, and this one is kind of different because it just focuses on his humanity. And so I mm-hmm. I, I think at Christmas time, we we tend to rightly so again emphasize the redemption that Christ had on the cross, and you know, th- those are awesome details of Christ's first coming. But to think about the incarnation and what that entailed, that Christ will be one of us forever, it's just fascinating. Yeah. It's a great thing to meditate on this Christmas season. Beautiful. Yeah, that, that's actually... So we, we were having a discussion earlier about the Christmas accounts in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. If you could describe Mary in one word, what would it be? Oh, brother. Not a brother. You're a horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> a great way to Three dodge. Points, Final least. answer is sister. No, I would say... One word. You have one word to describe Mary, the mother of Jesus. Maybe can how? I use an adjective? Mm-hmm. You can use whatever you... One word. Yeah. Okay, I would say... I would say... A thankful sinner. A thankful so you're sinner. you mm. Okay. I was looking for virgin. Virgin was the answer I was looking for. But... Favored was what I was going for. <laughs> Favorite. I like that. Favorite. I like favored. Tim was like, yeah, what's that word that the Gospels used to describe Mary? And I was like, virgin? <laughs> anyway. Yep. So let's keep going. Keep going around the table. All right. So again, trying to connect these to Christmas. I don't know how long he can stay. Can oh, we let him yes. do another one? Because you're actually teaching a class. I He's am. I'm on break. Is it how to how to harness the reindeer or how to fit down the chimney? What's your class title up there, Santa? <laughs> It is um, <laughs> contemporary issues in youth ministry. So good, and yeah. So check that naughty list. <laughs> Charlie can take anything and just like so go. good. Contemporary issues. It's you know, I, I saw a really cute video of this British kid who the dad was like, "You're not getting any gifts. You're on the naughty list." And he's like, "No, I'm not. No, take me off. He's like, I'm not on that list." Like just like freaking out, like he's not going to get gifts. He's like, "Santa doesn't know what he's talking about. I've been a good boy." He's like, "No, you haven't." No, I'm not on the night. It's so cute. Hmm. So we can go look that up. Anyway, you've got a couple more books. Yeah, give us uh, another one. Oh, okay. So one of the books, these are actually two books that I use as textbooks for my class. So I came across this one recent, fairly recently. Um, about I, got, I think I got it about three months ago um, by Michael McGarry on a, a biblical theology of youth ministry. So if you've, ever, if you've ever read a lot of youth ministry books, they tend to be very vapid. Just super empty. Yes. Just weak? just very oh, weak. Very, you know, maybe like they might sprinkle a Bible shallow. verse. Theologically shallow. rich. Mm-hmm. So this is <laughs> I would say this is a much better attempt at writing of, huh. of this. And and you have to understand um the whole concept of doing youth ministry now in a is being challenged because of the family integrated church movement. And so this, this guy is trying to incorporate what are the roles of the parents in line with what is mm. the responsibility of the church to disciple people. And so I think it's a, does a good job. He does a, tr- a good job mm. of trying to balance that and trying to bring out some nuances in that area. Is that sort of like a baby in the bathwater issue? You see the excesses of the bad types of youth ministry and they want to jettison that, but then there is the biblical like, Proverbs, raising children, like training children. Is that kind of what you think is going on there? Or? Yeah. I, I mean, if I could say it like this, the, this is my own illustration. It's I haven't read this illustration, but I would say, you know, 
welfare is supposed to be like a safety net, but welfare too often becomes a hammock. That's Ooh. beautiful. And oh, so what hap- I think what the family integrated church what what family integrated church movement has basically said is that youth ministry should be there to help but it's somehow replaced what parents are actually doing and it's mm. helped parents take time off where they really are not discipling their kids like they should anymore. Okay. And so it's enabled parents to drop the ball. That's a really good illustration. It is. So then my third book <laughs> is it's on Proverbs. So Oh, they what? have the same book. What? We have the same book. Yeah, I was going to hear highlight that one today too. Here, my son. This well, is now by you, you can Dan do it at the same time. Double time. Here, my double son. team it right now. now you go ahead because so you have more so, experience with it. So I've been using this for youth ministry. So to me, Proverbs is it's one of the miracle. only it books. Is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. It was a. I wish they could just see the faces. Just of think. Like, how Andy often I, I have to deal with this. Okay. You're just a guest. <laughs> I will All pray right. for you more. Thank you. you. Appreciate you that. Get to, you get, get to. That was I, a I Christmas miracle. Charlie is correct. Yes. So even so, Dr. Cole would agree with that one. Well, here's my <laughs> quick summary because I do have to get going. So many people think of Proverbs as all, like a random assembly of, of wisdom statements, you know, Proverbs. But really, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are more like a series of lectures that Solomon has put together for his son. And you can actually exegete them in context and actually see them develop. And so what this book does, it focuses on Proverbs 1 through 9. And I took this as a Hebrew exegesis class, so I kind of really delved into it from Mm. from that perspective as well. But Proverbs, you know, if I could kind of frame it like this, and even take my class sometime is that Proverbs is the only book in the Bible that is directly written for teenagers, to and for teenagers, to youth. What? We could and and the Song of Songs. Sure, and, sure. So, but wisdom literature in general is geared towards teens. It's geared geared towards people who are adolescents. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, why not design a whole youth class around Proverbs? to try to help people see how, and maybe like different strategies and goals of how to actually reach young people. Amen. I love it. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love that you guys brought the same book. That is so good. It is a great Christmas blessing. It's great minds. Christmas blessing. And Dan Essie is a good guy. He, he teaches at, at Cedarville. He's, so I mean, from a, um, a theological point of view, he's going to be very close to where we would be. Yeah. And... You know, he's um, starting to write commentaries and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I appreciate his contributions that he's making. He's pumping out a lot of stuff right now. Uh, articles, um, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Proverbs, that Wisdom Corpus is his, like, specialty. Hey, thanks for coming. Hey. Yeah, I, thanks. Honestly, Merry Christmas to you guys. Oh, There's Merry the coffee. Christmas. You can grab some. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Thank you, guys. It's, Back thanks for letting chimney. me pop in. This would be a great moment for a commercial break. As we transition out of the Santa has come and back up the, you know. Anyway, well, I mean, if there was one sponsor to the Thinklings podcast, which we have none, none, we don't I mean, have a sponsor. It'd be the Faith Bookstore, but it would be. Um, <coughs> I mean, Correct. I think we sponsor them. I don't think it's. I, think it's I do think so. I so, think we sponsor them. Do so. Could could we break the 
uh, clockwise function of our table and let Tim talk about yes. hear my son at yep. the same time? It's not really breaking it. It's skipping. No, brother. So we could do it. Daylight savings time. That's, oh. So we'll fall back hear my minute. son. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have an extra book here, so I could just admit it completely. I'll just make it really quick. Uh, basically, this is like a philosophy of education, and that's what Estes is doing, teaching and learning in Proverbs 1 through 9. Now, big fancy words, okay, uh, biblical theology of epistemology, the study of knowing, how do we go about learning and knowing? So I am I incorporate some of the information in my uh, discipleship class, uh, which is starting up again, okay, this uh, January, and so I'm considering adding it as a textbook. Now, hearing Dr. Doug and how he uses it for his youth ministry class, I might reconsider that. But um, here, my son, teaching and learning in Proverbs 1 through 9, how do I go about teaching my children? There are tons of books that are teaching children, you know, principles, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, we talk about books in business here and Chronicles of Christmas and books to read and everything. Well, what about actually going to the Bible? but actually about doing a Bible study. And as I even suggested in my first book, in doing a Bible study with your children, hey, guess what would be a great book to do a Bible study with your kids with? Proverbs 1 through 9. Yeah, You study through it with them, and then you learn, you teach them um, just from the scriptures themselves. Okay, so there's my two snippets on here, my son, teaching and learning in Proverbs 1 through 9. Okay, daylight savings time. We'll fall back. Ooh, that was good. I like that. That worked yeah, that really was, well. Yeah, that was fun. And now he knows that that's why this is happening, and he can I'm gonna, still I'm gonna reach it out. over and mute Santa's mic. Oh, 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 you got it. <laughs> that was fun. We need to do that more often. We just need to start an episode and just be like, "Hey, show up whenever you." And they just walk down. And Seriously, Doug will forever be Santa. Oh yes, we got to get him a Santa hat. Maybe we can get Santa Paul beard. on here that way. What would, what would Dan? Oh, maybe that would finally get him on here. Ooh, I like that. Oh, Dan could do it. What would? He's the elf. He's an elf. He's an elf. <laughs> so we're gonna go. So we, we're gonna. We fell back, and yeah, then we're gonna spring to spring forward. Yes, that's right. Because we already did. So Andy yeah. than me. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm gonna cover. So the, I, I'm I'm trying to think a creative way to make this one a Christmas book. Uh, this is. So I'm gonna. So when we talked about um, contentment, and we talked about. He showed. Um, he showed the cover to us. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. So. We talked about the Ponce by Blaise Pascal, and what I'm going to recommend, if you're interested in that sort of thing, this is a book by Peter Kreft called Christianity for Modern Pagans. That sounds like a good Christmas title, doesn't it? And well, isn't the way we celebrate Christmas all a bunch of pagan traditions? Anyway? Oh, don't even, don't even. No, it's. I not. mean, didn't the Easter Bunny hop into the forest and chop down the Christmas tree so he could put his eggs in it? Spring. Oh, horrendous. Thank Sorry. You. Okay. You Spring is the time of life. Sorry. Song of songs. Come on. What everything is song of songs here, people. Okay. Anyway, yeah. That that I'm I was just yeah. like shooting off the cuff on Easter Bunny there. None of that is actually Yeah. No. I'm sure there's some pagans out there that are like, Oh yeah, the Easter Bunny went down and chopped down a Christmas tree. But that I was just joking. Actually it's interesting. Well never mind, I won't go down that road. There's a book I want on the history of Christmas. Uh but it talks about how it's actually not as pagan as people say. So, but I'll leave that. So this is um, Blaise Pascal writes the Pense, the Ponce, which is the book that he was in the middle of writing when he died, and people found the scraps. We talked about it ten episodes ago or so. Um, Peter Kreft is an apologist and a writer, and what he does is he it's kind of a guide to that book, and so he's got an introduction where he explains the book, 
and then he walks you through his ordering of the ponce and you'll get like one of the ponce snippets and then he'll have um, a commentary on it. I think that's maybe the best way to describe it. And I like it in that if you want to read it, he gives you context and annotation that's very helpful. Um, even like at the beginning, he's the one who I, I think I'm stealing a phrase from him that Pascal was, he was an Augustinian Catholic in that. And so Kreft is the one who says he was too Catholic for evangelicals and he was too evangelical for Catholics. So it's a funny thing, but if you're interested in that from a couple episodes ago, this is a nice guide and maybe this is a good time to read about it. Um, it's going to talk to you about what, what you value in life, what you find interesting, what distracts you, where you go when you're bored. And during the Christmas season, some of those things might be part of what you're doing. So there, that's my loose tie into Christmas. Christianity for modern pagans. All right, let's spring forward in our daylight savings time. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry there. I had ordinary ready for you. Okay, uh, what's my next book? So Ooh, You tell us. <laughs> I did see a meme <clears throat> on yes. METS, Middle Earth Theological... I like saying society, but they say seminary. Mets is so wonderful. Yeah. It's like a gift. It is if you a haven't, gift. If you're on Facebook and you haven't followed that page and you're like a Lord of the Rings fan, you just go do it. It's worth your time. So It's worth not really worth your time. It is. But I, it, it's a nice, it's it's nice brevity. There's some good memes. There's some raging uh, other denominations there. Oh, yeah. And so like they will try to express theology through meme, which is a great postman thing. Like, the medium is the message. Like, why are you trying to communicate theology through a meme? That's dumb. So, like, if you're willing to do that, then I can rip it to shreds because that's a failure of communication. Yep. Anyway. The theological squabbles are almost worth oh, it's so the page funny. alone. Like, Dis distinct from the memes. Yeah. Like, you don't understand us. Well, you don't understand us. Well, you don't understand this. You don't, and it's like... <laughs> you're speaking in memes. It's like, but, like, there's, like, common digs all over the place. Which, like, there was one the other day. It was something to the effect of, like, Catholics going to the Bible to find support for infant baptism, and there was none. And it was just, like, one of those types of things. And it's just, like, and then, like, you look at the comments. It's, like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's, like, well, okay. Um, anyway. You went and did it. So I did see a meme on there that was, like, Dad said Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie. Well, why? Because it has elves in it. And uh, so that like, kind of dad jokey, Lord of the Rings. So I, I have here in, with a question mark, Lord of the Rings? But I mentioned Lord of the Rings last year. I did mention Short Stories of O. Henry again last year. So I'm not going to mention Lord of the Rings. That, that, my, my, the only book I, I'm going to repeat is the Short Stories of O. Henry. Lord of the Rings It's not a Christmas recommendation for me right now. So we're going to move on to, I've mentioned this book, I think, I loved how he recommended Lord of the Rings as a Christmas read without recommending it as yeah. a Christmas no, I did, read. I officially did not. I did it's last year, it's like in a court not. case where they submit evidence and they're like, you can't do that. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. I withdraw it. But they already did, they it. Already jury, did it. Yeah, jury's come back. I'm guilty. Anyway. Um, and, you, so and you know why? Trees. There are trees. That's right. Like Christmas has trees. Anyway. And elves. So there are elves. It's a Christmas story. Horrendous. I just thought of something. Gimli has a very Santa-like <clears throat> He does. He does. Um, anyway, so the book, I've mentioned it a couple of times by uh, Leif Unger, to say it how uh, Dr. Puddleglum would say it. Dr. Puddleglum, that's so good. Now, I'm going to call him Dr. P from now on. I think that's hilarious. Well, unless he tells me not to. Josh, if you're listening this deep and you're like deep on the episode like this long and you hear this, 
just tell me to stop. But anyway, so Dr. Puddleglum, he told me it was Leif Unger. And uh, yeah, the book, it, it, the book is great. And some of the things it exalts will be very good for you to read and have your affection stored, stirred toward for Christmas. Like it's going to remind you of the value and appreciate uh, family and uh, siblings and parents and uh, just kind of the love of some of those things. There is actually a scene uh, in the beginning of the book that takes place at Christmas, and a lot of things happen to this family that are negative, and there's, I won't give any of them away, but they kind of are circulating with some negative things around Christmas and then how that kind of comes together. It's a, it's a cool Christmassy scene in the book. Um, so I just, I just, the book will get you in the Christmas spirit. I'll just say that. Like it'll get you ready to be thankful and to be around family and, and to be content with some of those things. Uh, I, I think I can't, Dr. P over here, when he was here, what did he say about it? Um, I'm trying to remember the wording that Dr. Boyd mentioned. It's just excellently written. Yeah. And uh, it will, it, you know, the, that kind of discussion we had a while back of you can have a good book with bad philosophy, you can have a bad book with good philosophy, you can have a bad book with bad philosophy, and a good book with good philosophy. Those are the four categories. This is a really good, artistically written book with pretty good virtue and philosophy behind it. So on that scale of where where we would rank a book, it would have to be high because uh, I think it's done very well. And so, yeah, pick up a copy. If you don't have this in the bookstore, you, you should get some copies. It's a textbook, so I've... Oh, it is for Dr. Dr. Boyd? Boyd, yeah. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've had to pick it up. I can't remember what's if it's there right now, but yeah. Yeah, it's it. it's worth... It's, it's a 300-page-ish something in there. And at first, it kind of does start a little slow, but then once you get into the story, you are captivated in a number of ways with a number of different kind of tributaries of the narrative of how they will resolve. And, uh, it, it, man, it's just good. It's just good. There's, yeah, good storytelling and uh, good writing, good virtue. Hmm. If you can pick up a copy of Peace Like a River by Leif Unger, and read it over Christmas time. It'll be it'll be worth worth the investment. Yeah, we have it in stock unless everybody somebody buys it in one week from when this airs. <laughs> be that one. Be, well, you you be the reason why Tim has to order more of that book. Go buy it. Anyway, yeah. So for my third book, is that have I done three? I've done three. I yeah. think that's your I thought it was my turn. Well, no, no we're going clockwise. Now we're now. back to clockwise. But the time changes are all over, Tim. Come on, get with the program. Mm. So for my third book, you might think I'm going to do The Book of Three from the Perdane Chronicles, but I don't actually have that yet. I've ordered it, and it's coming, so I can't recommend that yet. Oh, those are good, too. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I had a, It was a... Well, anyways, I I've, was kidding. I've list, I have those all on audiobook, and I think I've listened through them like two or three times now. Are, are they better reading or listening? Because I know uh, sometimes the narrative with the, the narrator... It's always better to read it. Okay. Oh, yeah, you could never say that. I mean, the narrator, the narrator does a good job with... The just the whatever ones popped up on Audible, okay. But um, yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. It's coming. But so I'm not going to recommend that one. But instead, I'm going to take you. I like not recommending, but recommending. That's fun. I, you did it. It was so fun. I, I'll do it too. Oh, brother. 
So I'm going to take you across a frozen lake on our trip to this next book. We're going to pass a rock bridge, and we're going to go through a forest called the Western Woods. And then we're going to approach a beaver dam, and we're going to have to go over that and around through this wasted area. And then what will you see at that point? You will see a lamppost. And coats. if you look past the lamppost, oh yeah, you'll see coats. You'll see a wardrobe in the middle of a forest. So for the third book, I'm going to recommend The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mostly because I believe Charlie recommended these last Christmas episode. And I don't think you could, if you've never read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's a perfect Christmas story. Because it's a land where it's always winter and never Christmas. So if you've not read The Chronicles of Narnia, this might be the year to try The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. That's my third recommendation. And it's it's straight Christmas, so I don't think I have to uh, like do much about it. So it's a Lewis book. I think we always need to have a Lewis book at Christmas. There you go. Tim, that's it. Short, sweet. It's also done. a gateway drug. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's attainable. It's easy. It's a kid's book. I mean, come on. Don't be intimidated. Pick it up. Read it. We're going to go see the wardrobe in a couple of days, Lord willing. See it? Oh, the movie. No, like we're going to the Wade Center on our way to New York. Oh, the real, oh. yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Take selfies. Send them to us. Take pictures. My one son yesterday was like, I'm wanting to go into the wardrobe. I'm like, son, they're not going to let you into the wardrobe. You're not going into it. (laughs) Unless you're really fast. Distractions. (laughs) We're not getting in the wardrobe. Like, hey, let's play hide and go seek. But what's the number one rule? Number one rule. Of hide and seek? Yeah. Uh, Hide? Don't close the door. Don't lock yourself in. Oh, yeah, sir. Oh, I'm ashamed. I didn't know that. Anyway, so whose turn is it? It's Tim's. Because we're off the time changes. Yes. Uh, Let's see here. So my, is this my last book? This is my last one. I don't know. I've got one more after this, so I don't know. I have another one as well. Okay. I can come up with another one. Anyway, um, the one I have here now is Ordinary by Michael Horton. Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World. That looked really good. I wanted to read that, and I I fully agree with the title. So this was written really kind of in response to Radical by, was that Platt? David Platt. Yeah, David Platt. It was like, took the world by storm. Right. So there is a component where you have zeal for the Lord, okay? And you need to be radical, all right? But his book, Radical, was a huge hit, what, 10, 15 years ago? And we still sell it in the bookstore, and it does have some value. However, our world, our culture is all about this, um, I'll use the word zeal, but uh, what Horton argues is that actually life, particularly the Christian life, is about faithfulness Mm. and this continuance and this endurance. It is not a sprint. Mm. It is a marathon. And the idea that of Radical uh, by David Platt one of the issues with it is that it put a lot of people into a sprint. And so they go and they blast out of the gate. Um, but then, of course, like a sprint, you run out of steam. Mm. Um, and so Horton, uh, he, he kind of caveats it on several points because the issue with saying that the Christian life is supposed to be ordinary is that, is that people are going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just ordinary, when really they're lazy, when really they're, they are um, comfortable and so he, he talks about that. There is a difference between an idol of comfort and genuine biblical contentment. And we've talked about that on this podcast. Uh, Stearns had an entire episode on his contentment series about how you should be discontent. 
uh, with contentment. So, um, but anyway, uh, I would recommend uh, reading Ordinary by Michael Horton. Uh, and then personally, as I've considered even discipleship and uh, discipling young men, a lot of times what we want when we are working with something is we want something radical. But really what ends up happening, and this is where if you are discipling somebody, what you have to realize is that often it's not something radical. It's usually something very ordinary. And through the faithful, persevering effort of you, a pastor, a mentor, a deacon, or whatever role that you have, as you seek to lead people in the walk of faith, is that it's very slow. Because in truth, you know, sometimes you have somebody that's like radical, but a lot of times, most of the time, it's very ordinary. It's very slow. Yeah, I was just going to comment. Like, you, you kind of took, like, applying that to the person who's doing the discipleship, mm-hmm. recognizing the slowness of it. I think it's just as valuable for us personally to recognize what I used to say all the time is you're not going to repent and then wake up tomorrow and I'll use the term and be radically different. Mm. You're Mm. actually going to feel and look and probably act exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to grapple with the desires of what you've done for years Mm. Again, the next day and the next day and the next day. And you're not going to see change from Monday to Tuesday. But the goal isn't, the scope of sanctification isn't Monday to Tuesday. It's eternity. And hopefully over a year, three years, five years, Pastor Saucer used to always quip. I asked him, how long does it take to like disciple someone? Like where they get it, you know? Where they're really, not that they're perfect, but like they're, taking active steps of sanctification kind of on their own, like they're, they've become a wise, mature believer. How long does that take? And he's like, two to 10 years. That's so great. And, <laughs> and I'm like, two to, what do you mean two to 10? And he's like, well, you know, you could, you got to pour a lot of years into those people. And that's like weekly or biweekly meetings with someone for like two or three mm-hmm. years. And then maybe they click. And then, and he's like, but sometimes you'll put like five years into someone. And this is pastors listening, you know, be encouraged. Like don't lose heart. Yeah. But you can pour five years into someone and then they walk away just like that, you know, and but two to 10 years. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't I I repented yesterday and nothing's different today. What's wrong? Nothing. (laughs) Just keep repenting. And 10 years from now, Mm. you are still going to be sinful. But hopefully God has developed your character and you can looking back. Hindsight's 2020. You can look back. You know, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. I am different. And it doesn't mean I don't struggle, but I, I'm thankful in some of my struggles that I can look back and like, man, I was an idiot. <laughs> Still am, by the way. But I, I can I can say thankfully and praise and boast in the in the cross and in the grace of God Amen. that I'm not the same person I was even just three or four years ago. And that's that's God working in your heart. And so like it's just the daily, ordinary steps of faith. Mm. It's not anything, it's not a huge, big thing. You know, you know Pastor Sean, uh, <clears throat> Sean Lundberg at Community Local Church here was preaching in chapel like a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. And I walk in 
and some dude walks up, one of the students hands me a dollar and everyone in the chapel he'd handed a dollar to. And a lot of people refused the dollars. And I remember thinking, this is weird. What's he going to have us do with the dollar? And the point of his message was, what would you do if you saved a dollar today? And you'd think it's not nothing important. And so it was this extended illustration that he used as he preached. I can't remember the passage he was in, but his point was you do little things daily and you're faithful to little things. And over time it adds up. He says, a lot of times in your life, you're faced with a spiritual decision and it doesn't seem significant. So it doesn't seem that yeah. important. And I, what I appreciated, and I'm not trying to pick at anyone else, but sometimes you'll have a, a speaker who will come in and wants to get a big effect. And so they really ram it down like hard. And as a listener, you can walk away like what we're talking about here thinking the parts of my life spiritually that matter are those mountaintop really, like you said, radical, significant steps. And Pastor Sean said multiple times, he said, the thing that matters is the daily, day in and day out, mundane faithfulness. I think that's what he called it, mundane faithfulness. It was basically like a synonym for ordinary. Yep. And I was very, very thankful for that. So, On page 69, he references Lewis's screw tape letters. I'm going to read this. In his screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis has the veteran demon tell his apprentice that... Mm. The horror of the same old thing is one of the most valuable passions we have produced in the human heart. The discussion follows about how fashion, novelty, and change will certainly produce an insatiable desire for, ironically, more of the same. This demand is valuable in various ways, he's quoting Lewis now. In the first place, it diminishes pleasures while increasing desire. The pleasure of novelty is by its very nature more subject than any other to the law of diminishing returns. And so as we wrap up a year, one thing that I personally found helpful and I would encourage you to do is in the ordinary affairs of your life, look at your life this last year and do you see growth? I pray that you do. And if you don't, then I would strongly encourage you to do something so that you do see growth and grow this next year. Even if it's just a little bit, grow. And once you think about that, we can't have the discussion now. How would you even begin to measure that? Well, that's where, yeah, don't get me started. That's like where you get into all of this uh, creating, you know, people are machines and we have to create. Yep. That's something that we fight all the time at an academic institution that's involved constantly in oh. accreditation and evaluation and blah, 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 blah. And it just sometimes makes me want to puke because you can't measure this, especially when after yeah. five years, the person walks away from the Lord, like you just said with uh, yeah. um, your pastor. And, you know, you're investing in five years. Well, from an evaluation perspective, well, he left the faith. So what do we need to do? We need to figure out why that happened and then change yeah. so that it doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and that's the you're problem. You're dealing with people, okay? And yep. so this is what the message of Ecclesiastes is such a strong message, okay? You can't create a machine so that A plus, or 2 plus 2 equals 4 because we're not dealing with machine, we're dealing with people. Yeah. And so yep. people yep. are like, I want to marry somebody so that, and I want to make sure I marry right because I don't want them to leave me. Well, you can't guarantee that. Anybody who thinks that they can, they're lying to you, yeah. okay? People are not machines, and and somebody well, and could always abandon you. And kind of be careful here, you know, because I don't want to 
I don't want to point a finger at someone or a certain ministry or anything like that. So like I'm not I'm not I don't have anyone specific in my mind. But that consumeristic idea gets applied to discipleship. And they see people who have succeeded in training. And it's not that they succeeded. It's that God gave increase. All it is is 2 Corinthians 4, the simple proclamation of the word and the spirit of God and a willing heart, and boom, there's growth. And then all of a sudden, well, we need to do that again. Like, we need you to do that here and there. And, and, and you can't manufacture it. You cannot. And you cannot manipulate uh you can't manipulate faith in a person. You can't manipulate God to do things exactly. by Exactly. When you're wanting to look at it that way, you're literally trying to manipulate God and manipulate the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. so then you can produce something. So then you get the praise. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it doesn't work that way. Anyway. You know what's interesting is, you know, I'll just hearken back to my student life days, and then we'll, we'll get back on our, on our uh, Christmas book trip here. There was a lot of times in counseling college guys here at faith where I, I and they would laugh at me because I would use the same phrases over and over and over again and you're like okay does the, just the teaching is good like yeah that works yeah 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 and it you know you just walk through the outline of the things you've said you know literally probably hundreds of times and why does it work with one and not work with another and there are times when you're like, man, I told you that. Like, like I mean, there there are times I, I can, there's a, a guy that comes to my mind and, you know, if he's listening to this and he hears this, you know, I love you. I'm not going to name names. But there's a guy who, something happens when you disciple guys regularly and they're caught in sin. They will shy away from you. And they'll, they'll try to save face with you, but they'll keep, the facade of growth like oh yeah 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 oh yeah i just can't come today like i'm busy like oh i forgot like oh oh man i just had homework and i just couldn't do it you know like a hundred thousand excuses and this guy had done that for a couple of months and finally got together with this guy and we're sitting in a coffee shop and i could just feel the the presence was was off and he, I just, I just asked, I was like, Hey, are you okay? Like, tell me what's going on. And just that question, I think prompted his will and and it it broke, Hmm. just cracked for a moment. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm very upset with what God has done in my life. And I don't know what to do about it. And I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to Bible study. I don't want to, you know, do these things anymore because I'm upset. And in those moments, what you say is really important. You have to speak truth, but you have to speak it in love. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? And I can remember telling the student, just, hey, I, I love you. I, I understand that, but you have to be careful. Those are desires at work in your heart now. And if you don't deal with those now, I know where they will take you. It will lead you to further sin. It's it's not just wrong to have a desire in you. Like the, the point is, 
in faith, denying yourself and choosing mm. to follow after Christ. Mm. It's not the presence of every wrong thing that, mm. and you're justified by Christ completely. It's like He knows you have sin in your heart. It's like don't worry about it. I mean, not, I don't want to say don't worry about it. But you, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Yep. Like okay. in context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like if you if you leave those things unchecked, like you you just cars don't drive themselves. Well, you know, Teslas do now. But anyway, you just you know. You, you put the car on autopilot, take your hands off the wheel, and you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, you're going to crash. Okay? And I feel like sometimes Christians get frustrated. This student was frustrated. This is the way I'm feeling. God, solve the problem. Hands off the wheel. And But at that point, you already know what the problem is. Your flesh is being drawn away and enticed. And I warn them. I'm like, hey, if you don't deal with this now, it will lead you to the world. And I got a phone call three days later. He was in prison. Made some really rough decisions. Got caught. And in that moment, you're like, but I told you. But that, that's the thing. Ugh. I can't, I can't, you can't, we can't just manipulate. Like, well, he heard it. So, and the, the point, the teaching alone just the rote memory, the knowledge of the fact doesn't change a heart. Right. They have to respond to the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's a, an, it is an act of submission where you let the Spirit of God rule in your heart. And uh, you can choose to do that. You can choose not to do that. And so, like, but you can't, you can say the same things over and over and over again. Why does it work with one and it doesn't work with another? If you could, if you could figure that out, you'd be a rich person, because you could manufacture character, and you can't. And you can't figure it out because that's not the way that God designed it. Who knows? Who knows these things? Anyway, ooh man, that was a that was a way to go over the hour mark, wasn't it? How, how about we get back to our books now? Worth it. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that was good. I mean, that's that's ultimately. So you know, kind of like self-abase here for a moment. You can't manipulate or manufacture, but there are things you can, you can't control, but there are things you can control. That makes sense? That's why it's shepherding. Yeah. That's why the wise man, the sage in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he orders truth so that they are goads to guide. But it doesn't matter if you're goading, you know, an ox, the sucker still might just run off. Yeah into whatever and but but that's where the teaching philosophy of education is all you know the person still has to obey the goad and stay on the path yeah well i was even thinking like well you can't what can you control or what what should you be mindful of and more on a personal level is i can identify when i am causing restraint or grief to the spirit of god it's like if I know of something that's happening in my maybe my desires or something I'm loving, maybe it's a like an attitude, an emotion that's kind of drawing me to go away, or if I'm thinking certain things over and over again. And the emphasis is internal, but you can see it on the outside too. If there's things I know that are representative of the flesh, and what is contrary to the flesh is spirit, right? And so if I want change, and that's the spirit, and he does that, what can I control? I can try to remove fleshly influence. 
and I can identify that in my patterns of life and turn from them. And so you can't manipulate that, but you can manage that. You, know, you can daily, I think this is what devotion should look like. When you sit down with the Word of God, you should be asking yourself, like, are there things in my life that are, like, pulling me? Am I am I yielding me. to the Spirit and then the, or yielding to the flesh so that the Spirit can't do its work? And so when you get into like a discussion of like monergism or synergism with like sanctification, I would say I am a synergist. But the only thing I need to do is let him do. <laughs> and once you get to the point where you're like, yep, okay, then you're no longer synergistic. <laughs> like he's he's empowering the ship at that point. Um, but you, you are doing it together in that sense. But anyway, you can't manufacture it. But here I am trying to write a book to manufacture it. Like right. to but help someone. No, you're not manufacturing. You're guiding. Yeah. Okay. You're yeah. the goading and you're seeking to be the faithful preacher, teacher, guider, assembler of wisdom. Uh, yeah. That comes from the one shepherd. It's Ecclesiastes 12. So it's. Fear God and keep the commands. That's baby. it. Do it. So for the listener's sake, I'm just going to ask you two some questions. Yes, no. So, Charlie, do you remember before the episode when we planned to have a talk about discipleship? Yes. Really? For this well, Christmas episode? not this episode. <laughs> no, no, for this episode. Do, do you remember when we planned that out? We did not. No. Tim, do you remember when we, we planned to have you bring this book to talk about this so we could talk about discipleship? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I picked this book like 30 minutes before we started the recording. <laughs> okay. So so on evidence, we did not plan this. So listener. Christmas. It's a one. Well, two miracles. No, I was just going to say, listener, this is how it goes. You You read books and you develop your soul and you meet with your friends and you talk about it. And then what happens? this kind of thing happens and yep. everyone's edified. So this is just one more plug that you need to be doing this on your own with your own friends. And it Amen. will be very, yeah. very good for your soul. Very good. And it is interesting that we have been circulating these topics for a couple of weeks now and we haven't quite landed yet. And I feel like that was good. That was <laughs> so, really good. <laughs> that was really good. Um. So anyway, uh, my last book. Come on. One, we're waiting for one of your Charlie Carter famous segues right now. From that to your book. Come on, give it to us. Oh, you're on the spot. Now you're going to be like Tim oh, Little, right? No. It's just got to happen. <laughs> okay, you know? okay. See, Tim, we mine, can't just manufacture Mine happened. <laughs> mine happened. Oh, my God. I just start talking about whatever's next. <laughs> so my book is The Sign of the Beaver. <laughs> yeah, that was totally a Tim Little segue right there. Yeah, so... I love uh, my segues. <laughs> a, little, a little background on this book. Um, so like a really pretty I think, car wreck. I think I've mentioned books by Elizabeth George Spear previously, maybe. It sounds vaguely uh, familiar. I can't remember if I've talked about Witch of Blackbird Pond. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or um, I know we've talked about Out of your them. left field? No, no, it wasn't no? that. Because okay. uh, I've read all of these this fall. But um, I, think I, I know I've mentioned air. because she yeah. she's one of the few children's authors to have won multiple Newbery Awards. I feel like we've talked about that on the air before. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, the sign of the beaver is one of her one of her children's books, and it's about uh, like a homesteading family. And I can't remember. It's kind of in the. I'm getting the books mixed up. I don't know if it's like pre-revolution or Civil War era. I can't remember. But it's it's early America type of a thing, and it's like a like the dad brings the son. And then the dad is now going to leave and go get his pregnant wife and daughter and bring them back to the cabin they've just built. 
And the goal is to get back before winter, like get back before this young boy is by himself and spoils, you know, he doesn't get back. The dad doesn't get back when they think he's going to get back. And so here's this young boy in the woods, you know, um, by himself, more or less. And he starts interacting with, uh, and I, there's just not a good term to describe the people that were on this continent before the European white influence people came. Uh, we, Native Americans is a term we would use, but it's anachronistic because they were here before Americo Vespucci dis- discovered the continent. Wasn't Christopher Columbus, and so to call them Native Americans is, it, is to ascribe a term later in history to going. people. I think earlier, in in, isn't it Indigenous peoples? Is that the yeah, that's technical a way to term? I, I, there's, yeah. you're right though. There's some yeah, agreed upon. Native term. American is a very common term for them. Yep. I'm okay with it. It's anachronistic though. So just anyway, um, words are fine. So, um, so he starts interacting with some Native Americans. Tim was loving this. Um, so. What what happens in all of Spears' books that I've read? At some point, there's someone teaching someone else how to read. Everyone. And in this one, there's like a trade of sorts that takes place where this young native is to teach the young boy how to survive because he's by himself. And the young boy is going to teach the native how to read and write English. So that as he grows up in his tribe, he can interact with the white people. And that's kind of the trade. And what ends up happening is at first, obviously, there's a language barrier. The young native does not like the boy. And they grow in friendship. They grow in virtue. And it's kind of a fun little tale of the merging of cultures. And it makes you think about some things that have happened in our nation's past and analyze them. You know, I think a lot of things have been done under the, I won't say in the name of, but under the guise of religion and Christianity, that if we really put an analytical eye on, you would be very, very hard-pressed to find virtue there. Um, for for example, you know, and I, I can't, do I want to, for example, this? Uh, no. I kind of do, though. Just, so, what's what's the greatest tragedy in like modern history, what would you say? No idea. Where millions of people history, were killed. Probably communistic something or another. Yeah. Wasn't they there like a really famous one? Where there's the like Holocaust. A world war fought. Yeah, the Holocaust. Yeah. Where famously there's like six million Jewish yep. people. And now yep. the Jewish people, it's God's people. That's a different, I don't want to get into that discussion, but recognizing what uh, mm-hmm. the settlers, the the cute little pilgrims did to the natives of this country and in the name of like Western enterprise and capitalism, six million would, you know, I don't even know if that's accurate. I think it might be more than that of natives that our ancestors here, but you know, I don't think we have to, you know, pay for the sins of our forefathers in that sense, you know, and get into reparation talk. But that, I I do think that that dilemma is just kind of brought up like the, the interaction of the natives and the settlers in that book. And if you've never read into that, it does kind of strike your heart in a, in a sense. I think she, she, the, she's not being political with the book. It's, it's a children's story. It's a, it's a boyhood coming of age story. 
he's learning things about another culture. He's becoming friends with people that he wasn't friendly with to begin with. But it kind of skirts on some of those themes. And uh, what I really liked about it is it is a very outdoorsy thing. What the sign of the beaver is, the, the title, is it's, it's a sign that the natives would put on trees of where like this is someone else's trapping ground. And so it's actually like this virtue thing. Like nobody's here watching you, but you know you're not supposed to trap that river. And this, like the native telling that to the kid who's here because these people came and just portioned out the land and bought it that never really belonged to them. And so this kid is learning how the natives decide whose territory is what. We don't own it, but this is where he goes. This is that tribe. And the native is teaching the white boy about that who's come and settled on land that's now his. You catch the tension? And this boy, without his father, is being taught these principles of virtue from the native boy and from the tribe. And it's just a, it's, it's an interesting story where like he's, he's learning virtue from people that in the age would have been thought were well, virtueless. Barbarians. Yeah. 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 And so it's a great story. Great Savages story. as they would have been called. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, and to be fair to Spear, uh, there's another book where she does depict them more so like that. But, um, it's just an interesting story. It's, hmm. but it's outdoorsy kind of that feel to it. Young boy in the wilderness learning how to hunt. That, hmm. you know, so kind of bootstrap mentality a little bit. Um, and so I, I mean, I grew up, dad was a farmer. I grew up fishing, hunting. That's like kind of appealed to me right away. But then once you catch kind of, you try to think through the themes of the character development, it's a good story. It's a huh. good story. I don't think this was one of her Newberry ones. Um, but my phone is buzzing. <laughs> Apple watches are really nice. They're so nice. Nope. Um, Joey, if you ever listen to this, you were trying to call me and I'm sorry, I just hung up on you. So, um, (laughs) uh, sign of the beaver. It it sounds intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite like uh, liver eating Johnson from uh, last summer. The that was way, way left field. Uh, This is crow killer. Is that what (laughs) crow killer? Yeah. I I never called him. I never called him that. Did I? Oh, okay. I totally want to read that. Well, he was he was known for eating the livers out of his yeah, opponents. We'll just you know, okay. stop it there. All right. Liver eating Johnson. Um who knows if it was a mythological tale about him that he he did once and then it was like, oh, he did this with hundreds. <laughs> or if it was but that's the beauty of the story though, is like you just you want people you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the Western hero, larger than life, you know, Paul Bunyan esque, you know. Anyway, but so Sign of the Beaver, um, I would say for parents with young boys, uh, I mean, not to, not to segregate by gender, but I, I mean, the, the main character is a young boy, and then the next character to the side of him is another young boy, and it's a, another young boy of a vastly different background. And so it could spur, you know, we're just talking about discipleship, it could maybe encourage a discussion about how do you learn and uh, interact with people who are not like you hmm. in, in, in the right way. Like how do you, you know, to be friendly and to love people and that virtue doesn't have a color or a geography attached to it. Um, anyway, so may, maybe it's something you get for a young boy, maybe young girl too, but if you want one for a young girl, there's other spear books that uh, the young girl is the main character, but like the witch of Blackbird Pond. <laughs> 
So I think I'm I'm the last book, right? Yeah. Because you yeah. you went okay. daylight savings time on us, Tim. So okay, so the final book then for our our Chronicles of Christmas episode two or part two. I'm gonna pick a classic, and I don't even know how to tie this to Christmas other than I'll help you. Okay, yeah, Charlie, be here for me. Uh, this is a no. This is a book by Ed Welch called "When People Are Big and God Is Small: Overcoming Peer Pressure, Codependency, and the Fear of Man." How are you gonna do this, Charlie? I'll just start talking about it. you. Tell me when you get the Christmas connection. Yeah. Uh, this book was huge. I have not read this in a long time, and I think that I'm gonna try to reread this in the next hopefully year. Um. So if you've grown up in a psychological self-esteem context and you've lived for self-esteem and you've seen the bankruptcy of that, this book, and even if you just fear other people and you want them to like you, okay, if you're anywhere in that spectrum, this book is for you. What Ed Welch is going to walk, walk you through is what it is like when you live for the fear of other people's um, opinions of you, your reputation, the fear of man is what scripture calls it. And then he's going to walk you through the fear of the Lord. And so the first part of the book is how and why we fear others. And so he walks you through um, what people see, the rejection, how uh, you want their praise, that sort of thing in, in a sinful way. And then the second part is overcoming the fear of other people. And he starts off in that section with knowing the fear of the Lord and growing in the fear of the Lord. And he walks through a whole bunch of stuff. He talks about felt needs, which in our, in our therapeutic culture, that's going to be a very helpful chapter. And then he ends with, uh, chapter 13 is the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. And so I love this book. Um, in fact, I love it so much that I actually have a signed copy. Whoa. When Dr. Newman was doing his doctorate out there, uh, he, he, he got Ed, who was his reader, on his dissertation to sign it. And so I have a signed copy. It's so the author awesome. is... Ed, Ed Welch. Welch. Yep. If you go and Google Ed Welch, Google tells me that there are certain people related, not related uh, which is biologically, horrendous. but related in theme. The first one, Andy. Oh, boy. Just oh take boy. a well, step. I, I would imagine David Pallison. He's not mentioned. Okay. You of all people would oh, no. know this name. Oh, no. Santa Claus. I don't know. The cost. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. Shh, shh. Don't speak the name. No, don't say Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It is. So, oh, come on. But there's a there's a whole bunch of others that are better than Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, you don't have to cover your mouth when you say that. Yeah. You can just so say it loud and Ed proud. Ed Welch, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Tim Keller, Charles Spurgeon, John Piper, C.S. Lewis, and Paul David Tripp. Wow. And so here's the connection to Christmas. When I, I was like, my first thought was, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the guy... With the big mustache, but no, that's no, not Ed Welch. That's Trip. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna use it anyway. Okay. Ed Welch is seemingly clean shaven. He is. He's always been that but way. But Paul Tripp has a big bushy mustache, <sighs> like Santa's got a big bushy beard. There you go. And they're related, apparently, according to Google. Actually, that reminds me, I was gonna tell the listener, if you think of the biblical counseling movement, it starts off in my mind. With basically, I know there could have been people before, but Jay Adams is the guy who, on the scene, develops everything. He 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 takes uh, the church and kind of pulls it back very forcefully and aggressively from this living in the world of psychology. Hmm. And that's almost like the first wave of biblical counseling. Wave number two, it, when I think of it, is Pallison, Welch, and Tripp, and they're the CCEF crew. And 
trip is in there and now trip goes off on so its the own second wave that would be like i would say like the second and the third wave what is dr jeff newman that's right he's yeah the dispensational wave <laughs> good to clarify because when you yeah. ever talk about other waves yeah of theology sometimes it gets a little pentecostal yeah. so yeah hooping and hollering so but i would say that if you've not read this book it'd be a great book for your soul over the christmas season and it would be a great book for you uh and how you interact with other people yeah okay so that is an hour and 20 minutes so i got that right yep we there's a lot it, of good bonus content just in there go to hour and a half just not if we want to get more recording done today i mean <laughs> what did we do in the last christmas episode oh, this was good do you remember <laughs> anything don't prolong it unnecessarily tim wants to put oh, it out no, of its... there it is we did not talk about the song of songs you're right you want me to food in the Thanksgiving <gasps> we episode. Didn't. We got to talk about food. Let's oh. talk about Christmas food. We're excited about Okay, favorite tin. Christmas food. My mom called me the other day and okay. told me that she has made pumpkin and pecan pie <gasps> for Christmas, which Ooh. I'm really excited for. There was no pecan pie at Thanksgiving, but she's like, I'll make one for Christmas. So I'm excited for that. I really, so my brother built a smoker two or three years ago, his own custom smoker. Nice. Like welded it with sheet metal, steel wool to insulate it he's got a, a thing in there to control the, the burn rate it's oh yeah and so now at christmas or thanksgiving one of my favorite things is he smokes brisket mm. oh it's like the fat melts in your mouth it's smoky you got the like crust or the bark as they call it oh and then the other, that, the other there's favorite. gonna be someone that emails in and is like why are you making that little chipmunk sound it's horrible it's it's eating it's, it's me eating, eating and enjoying it and then the other thing i would say is my wife makes a cranberry apple pie. It is Ooh. the best. I love pumpkin. I love chocolate pecan. I love, was it? oh, she made French silk at Thanksgiving. She made four pies. But the cranberry apple, which I didn't think I'd like that much. Cran apple. Was the best. Oh, it was so good. So those are the two things I'm really excited about. So in the Sayers, I should be back in New York. Uh, in the house that I grew up in as a kid. And so uh, I'll probably be enjoying some of uh, the Christmas treats that I enjoyed growing up. And I like to bake. So I will probably be baking some of them. Ooh, what are what these are Christmas treats? Yeah, what are you going to bake? Tell us about this. Uh, my favorite Christmas treats, probably the chocolate-covered cherry cookies. Chocolate-covered cherry cookies? So it's a chocolate cookie. And you put uh, mar maraschino. maraschino cherry on the top. And you make a chocolate cherry kind of a sauce thing. And you dip them. And you, no, you, you put some on the top of the cookie and then you bake it. Oh. So okay. they're pretty rich, but they're probably my favorite. Um, pretty bougie, as my roommate would say. Christmas <laughs> uh, dessert. Wow. Tim, you have sold me on this. So that means the next time we record in January... You have to make us some of the bougie cookies. Yeah, that's okay. I'm My father-in-law uh, uh, requests them for every New Year's, uh, Christmas, Christmas with the capons mm. uh, celebration. So, so that's probably the top one for the um, the cookies, and then we'll probably be making some breads and some other stuff. It'll be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. Do you guys have the dreaded treat table at your locations for Christmas? <laughs> like when we go to Michigan, which we will. Robin's mom always has a like a little card table yeah. in her kitchen, and she makes the M and or the, the like pretzels with the Hershey Kiss and the M and M. The Rudolphs. It's just it's just all the all the junk food at the table. I made those 
Oh yeah. So did I did I mention on this episode? No, that was last week where I talked about that white elephant gift exchange. I actually made those little Rudolph things, and I tried to get a package of M and M's that were just red or green, Ooh. like Christmas ones, and I uh. couldn't. So I just got a regular bag, and I picked out all. of I washed my hands first, of course. Then I picked out all the red and green, and made these Rudolphs with the pretzels and the Rolos, and you you know, and I actually. Got oh, icing and I made Yeah, you, you get a, a pretzel and then oh. you put a Rolo on the middle. We you, always use Hershey Kisses. You go 300 degrees for like three or four minutes. So oh. they just start to melt. Yeah. And then you, you put them, and then you put the M&M on top. Yeah. And then I even broke off pretzel pizzas and like put antlers into the Rolo. And then I got, I got, it was, it was for an engagement party. So I kind of went all out for my buddy here. But that was awesome. By I the got way. some icing and I made little eyeballs on. So like awesome, but then I'm like, what do I do with all the blue and brown and yellow and orange M Ms? I gave them as a white elephant gift. Oh, that's wonderful! I put them in a little. I got a little saran and I like bagged them up and I I squished them into an old uh, AirPods box and then wrapped it so like they opened it. It was like (laughs) AirPods, a bag of M Ms, but not just any M Ms. There are no red or green ones there. You know the the ones that taste the best are the blue. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely the blue are unrivaled. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Do you want to end the episode with a song, Tim? No, I'm good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email thinklingspodcast at gmail.com remember don't let this conversation end with this podcast read good books talk about them with your friends and always continue to cultivate your mind see you next time on the thinklings podcast